Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on the Fat-Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results, and a whole lot of other things that will help you stay alive in the wacky world of the 21st century. Like this, for example. What's the link between smartphone use and brain cancer? The answer, unfortunately, is a very creepy one. And today, we're here with someone who's been on the front lines of health for more than three decades to help us figure it out, Dr. Anne Louise Gittleman, who holds a MS in nutrition education from Columbia, has the title of Certified Nutrition Specialist from the American College of Nutrition, as well as a PhD in holistic nutrition. Today, she's here to share some astonishing things about toxins lurking in your kitchen, the hazards of EMF pollution, and how to boost your metabolism with just a few simple tweaks. And also, if uh, either you've had issues with your gallbladder or you've had issues uh, losing stubborn fat, then this show is definitely one to listen to. But before we get to the interview, here's a review that just came in from Drew. He says... I started this two days ago and have already lost my first five pounds. I'm looking forward to getting back to my high school weight. I love the podcast and enjoy the solid advice and non-preachy format. Keep it up. Drew, right on. Thank you for the kind words. And man, two days, five pounds, not so bad. Keep in mind, though, and it's like this way kind of when you're training for fitness as well the benefits of being a beginner or at the at the beginning of the process sometimes the rewards are are the biggest there and so definitely when you're looking at body composition that is the case so remember that the the biggest battle isn't just losing weight or losing fat at the beginning it's remaining at your ideal body composition for the rest of your life which it's always going to be a moving target so keep in touch just drop a line. The best way to do that is to uh, shoot me an email at able at fatburningman.com. Make sure you're signed up for my newsletter over at fatburningman.com. You can just reply to the emails that I send to you. And uh, I read every single one of them. I reply to as many as I can. And, uh, and your questions and feedback helps inform what I do on this show. It really does. I do this uh, with you which is my virtual community, and I couldn't do it without you. So don't be shy. It's, uh, it's incredible the people who have reached out in just the past week or two. Another uh, man who lost over 100 pounds, a musician who actually we're going to be having on the show coming up. And it seems like it's been like half musicians who have gotten in touch recently, which is always heartening. So I'm very interested to hear in who you are and why you listen, because contrary to popular belief, when you have uh, a, a podcast like this one, the major platforms don't really share much information about who you are. Uh, and I'd be very interested to know. So always feel free to drop me a line, tell me how you're doing. And keep in mind, if you're going to go to ablejames.com or uh, drop me an email, it's A-B-E-L for, uh, that's the spelling of Abel. So uh, you also may have heard in, in the past year and change, Allison and I have gotten into another passion, which is uh, videography in 360 and virtual reality. And uh, I also, as longtime listeners may know, uh, used to be an outdoor guide or, or adventure trip leader. And so I'm doing these virtual adventure tours that are all free in 360 VR over at ablejames.com. 
Com. All right, on to the show with Dr. Anne Louise Gittleman. You're going to learn common reasons people fail on a keto or paleo diet, the startling research behind smartphone use and cancer, how the gallbladder is related to fat gain and sluggish thyroid, and tons more. All right, let's go hang out with Dr. Gittleman. All right, folks, please welcome to the show award-winning best-selling author of over 35 books, Dr. Anne Louise Gittleman. As one of the world's foremost experts in functional and integrative medicine, Dr. Gittleman holds an MS in nutrition education from Columbia University, has the title of Certified Nutrition Specialist from the American College of Nutrition, and a PhD in Holistic Nutrition. Thank you so much for joining us. And it's so much a pleasure to be with you, Abel James. There's so much that we could talk about today. I'm really excited, but I think we should just start it right off with the fact that a whole lot of people these days are familiar with and following something related to ketosis or keto in, in one way or another, but definitely just going hard on the fats and focusing on those. Yet we hear very little about the gallbladder, this this little organ that's supposed to be throwaway if you listen to a lot of people. So can you help <laughs> fill us in on how that's not true? Well, that's a terrific introduction for a book called Radical Metabolism, Abel, in which I talk about the importance of the throwaway organ, which, of course, is not, and that is the gallbladder. Mm -hmm. The idea being is that the gallbladder is the storage tank for bile, which is the digestive fluid that breaks down fat into its intricate components. And it's also a method of detoxification to flush out toxins, and interestingly enough, has a very intricate relationship with thyroid metabolism. So when you don't have your gallbladder, you're missing out on a digestive glitch that is so important for overall health, the breakdown of fats, your ability to lose weight, and your overall health of the thyroid. So I'm a big believer that if you're going to go keto, you must be able to digest all that fat, which is a very hard macronutrient in the first place to break down, which is where the gallbladder comes into play, or at least some type of bile salt which your gallbladder should be producing, or even a little bit of beetroot, or any kind of bitters that is so important in producing the proper bile to get the most out of your fats. And it's not just that the liver is important and the gallbladder isn't, or that any of these organs are more important than the others. This is a system, and all of these things need to be working correctly and with each other. And, and that's one thing that in your book I think you describe so well. But could you, uh, for those of those are the listeners who aren't familiar with, with the mechanisms of the gallbladder, how it works, why it works, and bile itself. Can you explain a little bit uh, what that does for our bodies? Yes, because we have to make bile as important as probiotics. It needs to be the next probiotic, so yeah. to speak, in light of the higher-fat diets, whether it's keto or whether it's paleo, whether it's primal, or whether it's a wild diet as well, and you, you know what I'm talking about. Sure. But I really think what's important for people to know is that the liver, your very best friend in terms of fat burning and fat metabolism, is the producer of bile. So your body produces about a quart and a half of this greenish liquid, which is then stored in the tank, which is the gallbladder. And when you eat a little bit of fat, the gallbladder secretes the bile to digest the fat. It's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. When you do not have a gallbladder, there is not the time secretion 
secretion of this digestive fluid so your fats are not being broken down and perhaps are being stored where they shouldn't be. It's very simple. Without the ability to break down fats, whether it's saturated fat or the essential fatty acids, you're losing out on vitamin A and E and D and E and K, which are all fat-soluble vitamins. So your ability to fight off infection, the ability to circulate your blood properly and to put calcium back where it belongs is neutralized without the important biological impact of the fat-soluble vitamins. So there's a real domino effect. So if you can save your gallbladder, I'm all for saving the gallbladder so that it doesn't join the um, throwaway organ club, so to speak. Well, it's amazing to me how many organs and things on our bodies medicine has just said, let's lop these off. We don't need them. <laughs> let's, let's take that out. It's It just seems so cavalier. But it does seem like that's also starting to change a little bit for the better. Well, I think so. And we're beginning to recognize, speak about, you know, throwaway organs, Abel, that the appendix is also very important. It mm. seems to be a storage tank for helpful probiotics. So whenever you can, save those organs, unless, of course, you're in a position where there's a life-saving, life-threatening sure. situation. But before you get there, there's so much that you can do to get rid of gallstones, for example, get rid of the sludge that's congesting up that poor, overworked gallbladder. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because we live in a toxic world these days, and I think a lot of folks aren't even familiar with all the different directions that we're being <laughs> slowly but surely poisoned. But uh, why don't we talk about why that's a problem first? Like, what, what do these toxins actually do to us? Well, I, I think what's happening is that you're seeing a kind of estrogenetic impact for many of these fats, especially the xenotoxins, the xenoestrogens. So you have the estrogenetic impact, number one. And number two, when you don't break down your hormones, you get hormone-dependent cancers, God forbid, or hormone-dependent issues that affect your menopause or perimenopausal experience, whether that's estrogen dominance and progesterone deficiency. So we want to be able to break down those hormones as successfully as possible, number one, which is something that bile definitely helps us do, or bile salts or bitters, deciding upon what you're going to be taking. And we also want to make sure that we decongest the bile by having bile-thinning foods. So just the way you have prebiotics and probiotics, we need bile-thinning foods in the diet daily, once, twice, three times times a day, like lemon and water, which is the easiest thing for people to do first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. You take the juice of half a lemon, put it in hot water, and your bile thinning and you're toning your liver, your gallbladder, as well as your kidneys. Dandelion root tea is another bile thinning food, as is lecithin, whether that's non-GMO soy lecithin or even your sunflower lecithin. So these things are missing from many of our modern diets, as well as the bitter taste, which used to be part of our everyday repertoire. So I yeah. say bring back bitters. Bitters are better, especially in the springtime when the liver is the organ that needs more tender, loving care, as well as its sister organ, the gallbladder. And we've kind of lost the taste for bitters too, it seems. We've lost the taste because we're so, so programmed to eat something that's sweet. Yeah. So a bitter food might be uh, some arugula in a salad, a tricolored salad, salad with arugula and even escarole, number one. Or you could take a bitter fruit, which is so good for weight loss. So there is something to this grapefruit diet. And I'm talking about pink grapefruit with its phytonutrients that help with fat burning. So getting back bitters may be an effortless way to lose weight 
when you're over 40, when you're toxic, or when you're a no-slow loser. And all of those are the focal points of this book, in case I haven't mentioned it before, <laughs> which is my new book, Radical Metabolism. And so a lot of us are kind of dealing with this toxic sludge in our system, this, this bile that's trying to get rid of all this junk that we're exposed to. But after a while, we start to break down because things kind of get clogged. Obviously, this is an oversimplification, but sure. uh, can you explain that in more scientific terms for us? Well, I would say that you have to decongest the bile is what's important. And that's where the bile thinning foods, bitters are important. And for people that may be the, the vegans out there, we're looking at gentian root or um, angelica root, which is considered a bitter, even spices and herbs like horseradish. So including those in the diet will help you to break down the bile so that it can function as a bile thinning agent to help detoxify your body. What people don't realize is that the liver has several detoxification methods. One is the phase one and phase two detox pathways that I know you're familiar with, but the other is through the bile, which very much helps to flush out toxins. And when bile becomes recirculated, you become retoxified. So cleaning up the bile is important. And if you feel that you have congested or congealed bile, we've got to get you on a program to get rid of those stones in the making, so to speak. And that's where something like orthophosphoric acid comes into play, which is available in many companies in this day and time. So just taking a little bit of that or something called stone root would be very helpful in breaking down those little pebbles that can get stuck in the bile duct and be very, very painful, not to mentioning life-threatening. And do we know how many people are having issues or, or will have issues in their lifetimes? You know, I'm going to take an educated guesstimate. And I'm going to say at least two out of three. And that's really? because uh, the high-fat diets, which may be paved with good intentions, mm -hmm. may have some very disastrous side effects. I mean, you're already seeing pancreatitis. You're already seeing problems with the gallbladder. And you're already seeing problems in terms of kidney stones. So I think precaution and prevention and doing some of these techniques would be very helpful. So I would encourage anybody on a ketogenic diet to also pick up radical metabolism and to hedge your bets a little bit down the road. Yeah, well, it's so easy for uh, for people to hop on whatever the latest diet train is, as, as you know. What are some things that you've seen over the years that might surprise people? Like, for, for instance, keto is not new. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I'll, I'll tell you something. I was the director of nutrition at the Pritikin Longevity Center in the 1980s, which was the harbinger of the no-to-low-fat, high-complex carbohydrate diet. Yeah. Fat was a dirty word. Fat was a four-letter word in those days. Of course, being the nutritional heretic, that I was and still am, I wrote a book called Beyond Pritikin where I brought back the right fats in the diet to the tune of 40% of total calories, which was considered heresy even way back then. Yeah. But I, I think from there, of the high-complex carbohydrate diet, we then went into the high-protein diet, which was very much the Atkins uh, MO. And from there, we're starting to balance. We've gone into the paleo, we've gone into the keto, the primal, a little vegan here and there, raw foods. I think all of them have their place. You just need to know what's biologically good for you, your genes, your ancestral inheritance. And for those of us with different types, types of blood types, that's another little element to put in the mix. So I have mixed up it all and put this in my newest book, 
radical metabolism, and it's part of my whole philosophy. There's not one program able that works for everybody every time in every season of our lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I wanted to ask you about that because so many people, any of us, can get locked into doing the same thing over and over again, not because it's still working, but because it used to work or we, we thought that it used to work, right? So what's the best strategy to take for a lifetime of health? I think as we get older and wiser and get into our prime time saging years, and I talk about this a lot with many of my clients who are females that have gone through PMS and then perimenopause and then menopause, you have to make an adjustment. The thyroid seems to do a slowing down, halting act as we get older. Why is that? It's, it's really becoming toxic with all the fluoride, the bromides the elements that are out there that are really sitting on the thyroid hormones and preventing the transference of T4 to T3. So I guess what I would say is that what's important as you're getting older is to reduce your carbohydrates, perhaps take a break from so many grains and get into carbohydrates that are really the most friendly for the body. But don't give them up entirely or your yeah. gut's gonna have problems in terms of its metabolism and its ability to produce healthy probiotics. So I'm a big believer in making a case for carbohydrates. I never thought I'd say this. The pendulum has swung. But it's important. Well, yeah, but it's important. I think we need a limited amount of fruits. Maybe, maybe they're low sugar, low fructose fruits, yep. apples and pears and berries of all different types. I'm not a big believer in a lot of juices, which I think is coming and going. Mm -hmm. uh, but limiting your grains, certainly the gluten rich grains and the lectin rich grains would be important, which is why I say bring back a little basmati rice, a little yeah. millet, which is so underappreciated, mm -hmm. and even a little sore. Them. Yeah, so many people, unfortunately, it, it's been good and bad as they found these higher fat ways of living. One of the things that, that concerns me is how many people completely give up vegetables or, or plants in general, fruits and vegetables, because they're like, I'm keto now and it's working. I and, know. Uh, so what, what's your response to that? It's insane. I mean, it's insane. I, I think, you know, being moderate is not what we do as Americans. If a little right. is good, a lot is better, and yeah. so on and so forth. It works the other way around as well. So I guess what I would say is that you need a certain amount of vegetables and a certain amount of fruits. You need the enzymes, fresh enzymes. You need the minerals. You need the fiber that all of those foods provide. So you need a little bit every day. You may not have to go over 50 to 60 grams of carbohydrates, but a little bit goes a long way. And you need some diversity in your diet, I think I'm hearing you say, too. You know, you need diversity because what starts to happen on any of these programs and what I've seen over the 40 years of being in the business is that when you are so deprived, then you go overboard the other way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's easier to do that now than ever. And you see p people ping-ponging back and forth between vegan and paleo and keto. And it's like... To me, when I look at look at, <laughs> optimistically looking at these diets anyway, they should be quite similar. If it were a Venn diagram, they should be very overlapped by plants, hopefully. But for some, maybe people just want to kick them out because it's easy, because they never wanted to eat their vegetables anyway. <laughs> 
I don't know, but what's easy now is going to be really tough later. You need your leafy greens. You need a little bit of starch. You need a healthy carbohydrate diet. You need a little bit of fruit for detoxification. You need your minerals. You need your macro minerals. You need your trace minerals, your micronutrients. So I think that's very important. And of course, the lack of fiber is something that of course concerns me. So we're seeing difficulties in terms of elimination. So I, I think that keto, which attempts to put the body into a fat burning mode rather than sugar burning, I think it's going in the right direction. It's how we're coloring in the spaces that's really off. Yeah, just a little tweaking, really, and a little common sense. Yes, <laughs> which isn't so common these days. What Can I ask you, it does seem like common sense has kind of gone, gone away or gone downhill. What is that about? And when did that start? Why is, why is that happening? Or has it been like that since the 60s, 70s, 80s, and it just Happens. It's it's always been that way. You okay. know, I've been I've been around long enough to tell you that the diet trends come and go. People want the magic bullet. Mm -hmm. We don't necessarily want to work for our results when it comes to diet, at least. And there are easy ways to to lose weight. And keto, you know, promises and delivers for many people with type two diabetes, problems with seizures, inability to lose weight. There's something to be said for it. But what's good short term may not be good for people long term. So the diet. Diet that heals may not be the diet that keeps and gets you well. That is such a great point. Let's use that as an example. Someone is, uh, they've had great results dialing down um, pre-diabetes or whatever it is, maybe losing a bit of weight, going hardcore keto, but they accidentally kicked out the plants and, and some of the good stuff too. How do you make that a balanced diet again without people being freaked out about regaining the weight or, or going back to the condition they had before. So we add some leafy greens, whether that is some sort of sautéed in bone broth or olive oil or coconut oil, some sort of collards or some sort of spinach, uh, maybe a little bit of kale, organic, of course. That's what we do. So it's really the greens that I'm most concerned about. And then, of course, a little, half a cup of fruit could be very helpful in putting you over the edge when it comes to the importance of the polyphenols, the bioflavonoids, and the potassium and fiber that berries will provide. Yeah, and I find that the longer I kind of eat that that way, trying to go for all those different, I don't know if you call them food groups, but they kind of are, you start to look forward to those various things, the diversity in your diet. If you're just eating the same stuff over and over again, it's, it'll get boring very quickly. It feels like work. It feels like work, and there's not a whole lot that you can really vary your diet with. And I'm not certain that a 70 to 75% fat macro proportion of your diet really is healthful for many people. And some of us genetically able cannot metabolize that fat in terms of our DNAs and the kind of genes that we've inherited. So I would say proceed with caution. Limiting your carbohydrates, we all know is a good thing. Limiting the grains may be the next step, but don't give up your greens and don't give up your berries. And another thing you mentioned in your book that I'd love to talk about is, is just the, the benefit of taking a break from time to time, giving your system a break from digesting or digesting certain things. So could you talk about, uh, you know, fasting is another buzzword these days, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, I, not everybody can intermittent fast, mm -hmm. although it's been so helpful for so many people. I, I, I know firsthand, secondhand, and thirdhand. I'm a person with low blood sugar. It would be disastrous for me. I have to eat after an hour of getting up. 
So having said that, I think it's important seasonally at this day and time mm -hmm. to take a break from food to give your gallbladder a rest, your liver a rest, your stomach a rest. And so in the program, I developed a four-day cleanse, which is a little different than any other cleanse you've seen out there. Number one, it contains jicama is one of the juice blends that we have made, AM and PM, because it's a very important prebiotic, so mm -hmm. it feeds the good bacteria. I also include some celery juice, which is a big buzzword these days in my juice, as well as a little bit of apple. I don't go overboard on any of the fruits, but the real signature element of the four-day cleanse is the watercress soup, and that's because watercress of all of the bitter vegetables out there, and it's a really tasty soup, by the way, mm -hmm. so don't be put off by the name, will help you lose weight, and it's very cancer-protected. It has at least 10 different phytonutrients in this one little veggie that will protect against cancer and other degenerative diseases and is very diuretic. So my women that want an instant fix, so to speak, and we all do once in a while to get into that dress or those pants for some sort of reunion or celebration, will be losing 10 pounds of inflammatory, I call it inflammation loaded water retention mm -hmm. after the four day cleanse. And that's something that I really could get behind. It's so noticeable when it happens too. And I noticed it in my own face because when I, when I stopped following my doctor's advice about 10 years ago at the beginning before I, I started all this, it was uh, one of those things where I thought it was just the way that I was aging, but my face was growing <laughs> sideways, you know, kind of out horizontally. But that came off so fast. As soon as I got away from, you know, eating mostly the processed carbs and the grains, I think is like kicking that out, letting my system rest for a little bit, that water weight came off and it was so obvious, not just to me, but pretty much everyone around me. And that was even before I'd really started to lose the weight, it seemed like. Yeah. And you know, you want to see instant results. People want to see fast results. We're a society of instant gratification. So one of the best ways to do that is, of course, what you did little by little, and then doing a four-day cleanse like the four-day intensive in Radical will get outstanding results. But that watercress is very underappreciated, overlooked, and ignored as one of the healthiest vegetables on the planet. So I say get rid of the kale, bring in watercress. There you go. And like I said, it's fun to try different things to eat seasonally. It keeps you from being bored. And oh, yeah. It's great for your body. It's great for your mind. Yeah, and great for your taste buds. <laughs> yeah. Keeps things interesting. Interesting. Now, let's switch gears a little bit because I don't want to say I had fun reading your book, Zapped, but I was, I was just totally stunned because it came out in 2011. Here we are, you know, almost 10 years later. It seems like things have, have gotten so much worse, but the problems that you brought up in the book itself seemed obvious back then. So I'd love to, to hear your take on, on why are we here? And, and also, you have a personal experience with, with what happened using a cell phone too much. I lived with my cell phone. I lived on it to be, it was adjusted to my ear. It was kind of an appendage of my ear, quite mm -hmm. frankly. And, and I didn't think I was using it that much, but I was traveling. I had a best-selling book in those days that was out and I was going from airplane to studio to TV. So you had to be on the phone talking to everybody and coordinating everything. So having said that, I woke up one day with a little um, growth on the side of my neck, and I didn't think anything of it until it didn't go away. I finally had a check. They thought it was a lymph node. 
we got it removed, and lo and behold, Abel, it turned out to be a non, or they called it a benign parotid gland tumor. And who the heck had ever heard of a parotid gland to begin with, but a parotid gland tumor, where did I get such a, such a development? Research then showed me that it, it was connected to cell phone use. And they're showing that people that use their cell phones on one side of their head more so than the other, and of course I'm kind of a righty, uh, were more susceptible to parotid gland tumor growth. And this was in a peer-reviewed journal. Yeah. So I then decided it was time to write a book. And uh, you know, being the renegade that I am, uh, I wrote a book. And my first book came out in 2010. So this is even oh, okay. a year before then. Wow, yeah. It was not met with a lot of enthusiasm by the telecom industry, sure. to say the least, or people that didn't want to give up their gadgets. But as time has gone on, everything that I've talked about in that book is as relevant today as it was back then. More so, it seems. So you so you got to unplug. Just the way you have to give your digestive system a rest, you have to give your biomagnetic field a rest so that it's not being assaulted by all of these strange emissions that are man-made and so, so not normal to our physiology. So some people may have heard about the, the supposed link between electronics and cancer, but what I was what really surprised me was how much research you had even in this book about 10 years ago. What's crazy now, though, is that it seems like everyone forgot. <laughs> you know, it seems like everyone's on their devices more than ever, raising their children on these devices, and we really... We have this illusion that because it's in our hands or because it's sold to us that it's somehow safe. Can you shatter that for us? It's a big industry. <laughs> it's a trillion-dollar industry at this point, so that's the illusion. You know, we've got big pharma, big tobacco, big asbestos. Now we have big telecom so the, and big tech. So the reality is that this is very much part of our life, and it's an inconvenient truth to tell somebody that it's not healthy for you. So the least that you can do is what I talk about in the book is unplug at night so that you disable your Wi-Fi router, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, if you can shut off the electricity at night with kind of a kill switch that is easily uh, administered or, or implemented in your home, you do that. Just make sure that there's no electricity coming in your room and staying away, of course, from blue lights that are emanating from any electrical device. That we all know. But you've got to make some room in your house a healing haven to give your body time to discharge. And if you use a lot of cold water throughout the day, it's very helpful in cooling down the heating effect that all these devices have on the system. Hmm. And another one that people, it kind of came and went many years ago when I first started this, but grounding is another issue where it's like... Oh, yeah. But you know something? I wish it was still in vogue as I think it yeah. is in some areas of the world. I sleep with a grounding wristband every night so yeah. that I've got, the, I've got the infusion of those electrons that can neutralize all the free radicals. That's important too when you can walk on sand when you can. Please do that. Walk on the earth mm -hmm. because you can discharge this, this electricity, this kind of electrical charge that's not normal to the body. All of those things are what we were physiological designed to do. And I think it's important to bring that back. I mean, I, I get very concerned when I see children, especially little 
children that are fooling around with their parents' iPhones because mm -hmm. all of that is much more impactful for a, a little person whose brain has not yet developed. The radiation can go in 50% more, so it's more decisive and it's more invasive. Mm -hmm. So you have to be so careful. It's a real fine line, and you have to be conscious almost every waking moment. And people forget that we are, and, and to your point in this book, electrical beings. Our systems work much more electrically than, than most people realize. It's not just all biochemical. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on, which is why we take tests that can assess the electricity, so to, so to speak, of our bodies, whether that's a cardiogram or whether that's some sort of brain scan. Very, very important. And we're very sensitive on the most elemental level. The DNA is exquisitely sensitive to all of these unnatural vibratory emissions that are coming from our gadgets and the cell phone towers and the iPads, and now to the 5G that's being rolled out all over the country. So you have to take it upon yourself to protect yourself. Use the right kind of oils in your diet. Use the right kind of foods that are protective against electromagnetic radiation, and make yourself as invincible as possible, because I don't think we're going to stop this onslaught of technology. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I was just reading an article uh, that came out yesterday, or that I read yesterday, about humans having a geomagnetic sense. And you mentioned magnetite in your book and, and how uh, certain animals are able to navigate the globe using, you know, a geomagnetic sense. And what this, uh, this study showed is that when they spun the field counterclockwise, alpha waves didn't light up in the human brains. But when they spun it clockwise... They did, whether the people realized it or not, their subconscious was recognizing these changes in the fields. And, uh, you know, obviously, it's not the only study. It's just another one. This, this research has been going on this whole time, and there's a lot of it. And most people, it just doesn't get out there usually. No, it doesn't get out there. And these poor scientists that are these independent trailblazers become very harassed. Yeah. So I can tell you that you just, again, it's common sense. We didn't develop in this kind of environment with all the electromagnetic assaults. When your body is exposed to cell phone radiation, you are theoretically emitting over 20 different heat shock proteins. So your adrenal glands and your cortisol is going up and down and up and down like a yo-yo. That's one of the reasons that people are so devitalized. They're so burnt out. When I go into airports and I still have to do a lot of flying these days, people are huddled over their phones and I don't see a lot of vitality. I see, I see like a zapping, so to speak of all of their vital energies. And I think that's because they're being, the energy is kind of being neutralized and sucked up, especially the adrenal hormones, thyroid hormones by the exposure of these electromagnetic fields. So it's not to make people afraid. It's just to make them more aware that they have to take precautions to discharge, to unplug, and to do, to eat certain nutrients that'll help their bodies become more Invincible. And that is where an oil comes into play. And one of those oils is hemp seed oil, which is very protective against electromagnetic radiation. And of course, I mention it 
in radical metabolism. It's an omega-6, which has also been maligned and misunderstood that is part of the cell membrane. So there's tons of things you can do. Even coffee is protective. Organic mold-free coffee would be another drink. Uh, whey protein powder from A2 milk. Lots of easy things you can do. And if you're going to season your foods, use a lot of fresh rosemary, which is very good for protection of the brain and protection against the uh, penetration of these EMF fields. And delicious. To say the least. <laughs> we used to, when we lived in Texas, it just grew right outside my house. I love it. I do miss that a little bit. But one other thing you mentioned in, your, in Zapped anyway is, uh, I, I think actually in both your books, microwaves. They're related to EMFs in a lot of ways, right? It's like when you look at the spectrum of cell phone radiation and these other things, it's all on there. If it's invisible, it doesn't mean it's not doing something to you. It's not harmful. No, it's so true. And I, I tell people that when you have a cell phone glued to your head, it's almost like having a microwave oven glued to your head as well and your face in a microwave oven. It's, it's similar. So the reality is you're bombarded on all of these levels. So you've got to take precautions as much as you can and be aware. Put your phone on speaker whenever you can, mm -hmm. on airplane mode whenever you can, and don't rely on it 24-7. So a couple of things that I've been able to do is, is number one, just limit your time with with devices, you know, uh, take those breaks that you mentioned, because one thing that that concerns me is just how normalized all this abnormal behavior has become that especially our relationship with technology in extreme close proximity to our bodies and our children's bodies. And what people have to understand about that, and I so agree, is that whenever you are even texting, you're whatever, Ellen, wherever you're touching the body part with that device is where you're being irradiated. Yeah. So I have a feeling that all of the hip surgery that we're going through has a lot to do with people using a kind of little belt to kind of hook on their cell phones. Uh -huh. And there's issues, so many issues with the prostate. I think it's all connected. Well, it's, it is by proximity. And when you look at sperm counts and health, that's not looking good either. All these things are going straight downhill. I know, but the good news is you can eat a lot of rosemary, you can take that <laughs> hemp seed oil, so we want to keep people on a positive note, because I don't think it's going away, Abel, yeah. quite honestly. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to be getting a brain implant anytime soon, are you? God willing, no. <laughs> let's let's hope not. So let's talk about omega-6 a little bit, uh, because that's that's something I haven't seen that much either. But there is this tendency to completely oversimplify. Omega-3s are great. Omega-6s are always toxic. And it's not like that at all. You really want a spectrum 3, 6, 9 and more. You do. But the, the ideal ratio, which has been very much uh, misunderstood and has not been uh, promoted or made people made aware of is that you need a ratio of four to one in favor of omega-6. Now, what is true is that in the, the, the general commercial diet, we've got a lot of omega-6 type oils that have been commercialized and altered and heated and loaded with chemicals. That is true, but it's not the fault of omega-6 inherently. It's the fault of any polyunsaturated oil. So it doesn't matter if it's omega-6 or omega-3. The point is that any kind of polyunsaturated 
essential oils should not be heated or altered or, or any other way chemicalized. Omega-6 in its non-altered, non-heated, non-chemicalized state is exceedingly helpful, which is where hemp seed oil comes into play, as we have mentioned, one of your prime sources of omega-6 with a four to one ratio with six to three, as well as sesame seed oil. And another one, which is the secret sauce able to my program, and that is pine nut oil, which is very healing for the entire digestive tract from tip toe to bottom. So top to bottom. And that is because pine nut oil, Siberian pine nut oil, is very high in linoleic acid, but it's also high in gamma linoleic acid, which is a GLA, essential fatty acid, uh, omega-6, which can heal the mucous membranes of your esophagus, of your stomach, of your small intestine, your large intestine. So the people that have H. pylori or GERD or any other kind of ulcerative condition find amazing healing and lack of... Um, lack of pain with this particular essential fatty acid. Very good also for constipation, digestion, lack of, it's an anti-inflammatory and it's something that's very much overlooked in terms of rebuilding a leaky gut. So I'm all for the good omega-6s. I think it has been a story that needs to be redefined and we've got to really rewrite the omega-6, the essential fatty acid paradigm. Yeah, and one thing that I think you illustrated very well in your book is how um, everyone's heard you are what you eat, but I don't think we've really visualized what happens to the membrane membranes of our cells when we take in these basically substances that are that our bodies should not be including or, or building our, our bodies out of. So could you help explain a little bit of like what happens when we eat a GMO restaurant oil, for example? Well, this, the membrane becomes very uh, stiffened. It becomes very stick, sticky and on, not fluid. So that means that you're not getting the ability for nutrients to come in and toxins to come out. So it kind of stiffens and goes on high alert that this is an assault. It's almost like a heavy metal attacks your body. So uh, the only essential oils that you really want in your body as much as possible are the good omega-6s, even if it's one tablespoon of hemp seed oil in your smoothie a day. I say throw out the coconut and get into hemp seed oil. Coconut oil is not indigenous, is not natural to most of our ancestral history, yeah. number one. Most of us are not from most of us are Northern European, uh, not most of us, many of us, I should say. And, a, and a coconut oil is not an essential oil. It does not contain high amounts of any essential fatty acid. But hemp seed oil does, fish oil does, flaxseed oil does, walnut oil does, sesame oil does. Those are the oils that you should be using in deference to coconut oil. But you just need to keep them a little bit differently and, and be careful with that so they don't go yeah, rancid. Yeah, you right? keep them in no heat recipes, as salad dressings or little drizzles, and even a small amount, one to two tablespoons, goes a long way. And then if you want to use something for high heat, I'd say use a little bit of ghee, which is another source of omega-6. It's got a very high smoking point, or even a little bit of another omega is the macadamia nut oil, which is an omega-7, good for the collagen. But I think we have, you see, we're so extreme We've overdone too much of the good thing. MCT oil is not digested well by the majority of Americans. It provides a lot of stomach issues. And coconut oil is not just is part of our DNA history. So let's get real, everybody, and just let's not overdo too much of a good thing. 
That is such a great point because it's not like you find one fat and then that's yours and it's going to be yours forever. It's it's <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you try to double down on something, it, it seems to uh, fight back against that or you might start getting well, some because issues. Variety and, you, and as we go full circle to what you said in the beginning, it's diversity and variety of the spice of life. Oh, yeah. that we can make that palatable for most Americans. <laughs> well, these oils you're talking about, I think, are quite palatable. But let me ask you, is it as simple as smelling it it smells off like milk and and you toss it out or can sometimes these omega-6s and omegas go bad without you really noticing what's the best no, way they, to tell? There, there's a bitter there's a bitter taste and sometimes there's a little bit of an acrid smell as yeah. well so they just need to be refrigerated yeah cool so we're actually coming up on time i can't believe it but what are some other things that you're seeing right now, maybe uh, related, like air quality is one that I'm certainly thinking about a lot as, as wildfire season approaches and its effect on our health. But like, what are some things that are on your radar looking forward? Oh, what's on my radar? Autoimmune illness is on my radar. And I'm looking under the hood with more and more of my people. You know, when I came into this industry, which was many moons ago, I learned about the science of energy medicine. So with my people, I'm beginning to explore looking under the hood, so to speak, getting at the root cause of so much of this autoimmune illness. And I'm seeing a lot of mycoplasma in my clients mm. with fibromyalgia, with IBS, with issues in terms of uh, Hashimoto's. I'm seeing herpes 6. I'm seeing as much as ever lots of different parasites from blastocystis hominis to more toxo that gets into the brain. I'm seeing issues with roundworms, threadworms, hookworms. I'm seeing a lot of infectious agents that need to be cleaned up before we can be truly healthy. And when our defenses are lowered because of all the EMFs and lack of the proper oils over the years, then we're more susceptible to some of these hidden invaders. So it's autoimmune illness that's really on my radar. And of course, longevity. Yeah. I'm at the age where you want to live longer, live better, and not extend the period, you know, necessarily of dying. You want to extend the period of living. Yes. Any quick tips on how you're doing that? <laughs> I'm writing a book. So <laughs> writing a book doesn't help, about. though. It doesn't oh, help you. Well, what I can tell you is that that what I've seen dramatically is this, and I'll give your, your readers some quick tips, yeah. your listeners, some listeners and viewers some quick tips. Collagen is important, but I say 10 grams of glycine every day. You don't need these fancy collagens. Glycine is the major component of collagen. If you take 10 grams of glycine, which you can do with three grams before bed, and then seven grams and two tablespoons of Great Lakes collagen or Great Lakes gelatin, you got it covered. You don't have to spend a lot of money on some of this nonsense that's out there. That's number one. Number two, the omega-6 for the skin is very important. And then number three, Get rid of your iron. I'm telling everybody to get rid of their iron pots and pans because when we start testing ferritin, they're all becoming iron toxic. So the number you look for on a blood test when you get your next blood test is you want to be way below 100. It's something like 50 to 70 with men and women because iron overload is now considered a secret invader, a secret cause of Alzheimer's, of aging with, with brown spots on your hands, as well as problems with arthritis, heart disease, and joint dysfunction. 
Never stop learning. <laughs> you can't stop learning and then you integrate it into your own lifestyle. And that's why I now cook with clay. I'm very big on clay cookers yeah. like Vita Clay. Very cool. Well, before we go, can you please tell folks, Dr. Gittleman, where they can find your newest book as well as what you're working on next? I think, Abel, the best place to go would be RadicalMetabolism.com. They can visit me on Facebook. Love to see them part of our community. But RadicalMetabolism.com, I appear every week in Women's World Magazine with a radical tip. And that, and I'm working on my radical longevity, which should be out in a year or two. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Gittleman, thank you so much for taking the time with us. And such a pleasure to be with you. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you and Future Greens. Let me ask you this. How many servings of veggies have you had so far today? Hmm, how about this week? Like it or not, recent studies show that 9 out of 10 of us do not eat the recommended amount of daily fruits and veggies. Now, if you're one of those uncompromising health nuts who gets more than 10 servings of veggies a day, you can ignore what I'm about to say. Now, for the rest of you, listen up. If you're looking to improve your health and increase the amount of nutrition in your diet with fruits and veggies without the sugar, you're going to love our new creation called Future Greens. Future Greens is packed with vitamins, minerals, and filling fiber from whole organic veggies, sprouts, algae, and berries, including kale, beet, parsley, collard greens, cauliflower sprouts, broccoli sprouts, spirulina, chlorella, blueberries, raspberries, and much more. We think it tastes great, and we even heard that some kids think that Future Greens taste pretty good too. All of our products at Wild Superfoods are lab-tested for purity and potency and formulated according to the latest cutting-edge developments in research, science, and medicine. We have extremely high standards when it comes to our health, and we know you do too. Guaranteed nutrition, no matter where you are. That's our promise to you. So check out Wild Superfoods, and please get in touch to tell us what you think. Just head over to wildsuperfoods.com to get the scoop on Future Greens, and you can save 20% when you select Subscribe and Save. All you have to do is visit wildsuperfoods.com to get the deal. Thanks for listening. Well, hey there, listener. This is Abel one more time, and I just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of The Fat-Burning Man Show. If you liked it, don't forget to hit that subscribe button wherever you might be listening to or watching this show right now. And if you have a second please leave me a quick review for The Fat-Burning Man Show. I read every single one of them, and every time you leave a review, it gives us a little boost in the rankings, and that helps other people find this show. And if you can think of someone else who might enjoy and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or a family member. And if they're like, what is this Fat-Burning Man thing? That's a really silly name. You could be like, you're right, but here's the deal. We've recorded over 250 episodes of the Fat-Burning Man Show with thought leaders in health from all over the world. And so far, we've won four awards, hitting number one in health in more than eight countries internationally. We have more than 30 million downloads already, but we're just getting started. I can't believe any of this, by the way, and couldn't do any of this without you. So thanks once again. But here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode of the Fat-Burning Man Show for free with zero outside advertisements, no outside sponsors, 
and no corporate overlords. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. We'll give you a, a second here just to type it in. And you'll get all the show notes, transcripts, and video and audio versions for all the past episodes of the Fat Burning Man Show for free. Better yet, enter your email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide so you can take your health into your own hands right now, along with a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now Enter your best email to get your free goodies with a bonus surprise straight to your inbox. This is Abel James signing off. Thank you so much for listening once again and have a great week.